Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Contract Employee One-on-Ones, Part 1. Did you know that Manager Tools individual license holders have access to special conference calls where you get to ask the questions you want, the ones that you need answers to? Did you also know that individual licensees get an additional weekly email from Mark, Things I Think I Think, with his more recent thoughts on management and professionalism? Many members tell us that out of the hundreds of emails they get each week, Things I Think I Think is their favorite. There are a lot of other benefits to an individual license. Check them out at www.manager-tools.com. All right, folks, on with the show. We always recommend one-on-ones for directs, right? Always. And there's yep, like yep. no, no yeah. exceptions today. But in most organizations, there are plenty of relationships where, how do you say it? They're, they're just, they're not crystal clear, right? They're project managers. There's other managers. We do admin stuff with other managers, but we don't ever really see them. So it's a little unclear and it makes it messy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It makes it messy. And in fact, we get questions. I think almost every conference, we get a question about and from clients too, well, does this person really work for me? Do I need to have a one-on-one with them? Which makes it hard because the boss-subordinate relationship is hugely important. Uh, we generally say, I mean, you and I have both answered the question as, look, you may have a question, but usually the directs don't. They know, right? They know who they think of as their boss. Now, they're wrong sometimes, but generally speaking, they're aware of it. We define a manager's directs as those folks who would think of you as their primary boss or often it's and, but in some cases it's or, or that you would write the end of year review for and you'd be the primary person that would discuss their pay with them provided pay discussions happen at your level in the organization. The problem with that when you start getting a definition like that, right, is we have to create things to help us decide, ways to look at the relationship will help us decide. But frankly, things like reviews, reviews are administrative process. They're necessary. They're valuable if they're done well. But reviews and pay are really proxies, a way to get at who this person's boss is. And, And right, you and I agree that having lack of clarity about a boss or a boss about a subordinate is dumb. It's just it, you, you lose energy, right? What really matters, and frankly, this is confusing as well, is whom do you supervise whose work makes a significant difference in your ability to deliver the results that the organization needs, right? Right. That's really what it boils down to. If you supervise their work in an appreciable way and they contribute to the outcomes that you deliver for the organization, that's a way to think about someone as being a direct. Right. Which opens the door completely wide open to contract employees. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You told, yeah, you supervise their work and they do make a significant difference in your outcome. And yet you and I both know that the, the standard is, you know, contract employees are, well, we don't even call, we call them contract workers. In fact, I have to catch myself. I've said contract employees in many client locations, but I don't want to confuse people here. So we're going to try to say contractor or contract workers. The question becomes, right, if they make a significant difference and you supervise their work, can you? And if you can, how do you have one-on-ones with your contract employees? And then also, 
you know, we got to be considerate. There, there are laws about the difference between employees and contract workers. And there are rare cases where a manager could engage in behaviors that would blur that line, which some people wouldn't like very much. Right. Exactly. And the answer is, yeah, we recommend contract one-on-ones. No surprise. We got four four points we want to make today. We do recommend one-on-ones with your contract employees. We recommend you do a standard rollout for contract employees. It's a little bit different if you're rolling it out all at the same time or if you're only rolling it out to contract employees because you've already rolled it out to your directs. That could happen. There is a change in the agenda. Instead of the 10-10-10 agenda – 10 minutes for them, 10 minutes for you, 10 minutes for the future. Now we only do 15-15 because we take out the future because that's part of your administratively supervisory role that goes to employees but not to contractors. And then lastly, we want to touch on legal concerns. We want to go through our recommendations first, and then we want to at least give you a flavor of the legal concerns, which I think will be helpful for some folks. Good. Okay. Now, the fact that we recommend contract one-on-ones can't be surprising to folks. I mean, I'd be shocked if anybody were surprised yeah. about that, right? I mean, these contract employees, they produce work which you rep- rely upon to produce the results for which you're responsible, right? Yeah. And since that's true, a better relationship with them is going to get you better results, which is what you're looking for. And matter of fact, one, the whole purpose on one-on-ones is to improve the relationship through regular, frequent communications with your directs yeah, yeah, to yeah. improve performance. So unless yeah. you're willing to say, hey, all these contractors that are working for me, I, I'm not I'm not concerned about their performance. Yeah. You that's have to right. do one on ones. The moment you become concerned about their performance, right? And and how good a work they do is the moment you say, well, geez, I better improve my relationship with them because I can I can get so much leverage out of relationship improvement that any time spending spent figuring out how to change the contract or how to change the, the the amount we pay them or anything, all that stuff is way less efficient than spending a little bit of time on a regular basis to improve the relationship, which improves communication, which inevitably improves performance. Yeah, and that's, a, that's the point that's easy to miss sometimes because we talk about the importance of developing relationships with folks. The reason, folks... It's not because we're great guys. Now, we're, we're, we are great <laughs> We are great guys. <laughs> well, you are. Anyway. <laughs> but that's, that's not why we're recommending one-on-ones. We recommend one-on-ones because they develop relationships, and we recommend relationships because they improve performance. This is manager yeah. tools. This is not nice guy tools or nice gal tools. Right? <laughs> it's not friend tools. Right, right exactly. <laughs> Friendly tools. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look – to be fair, some people will say, well, HR told me not to. And we're going to talk about the legal ramifications there. But remember, your company is, while it certainly is bound in all cases by some legal requirements, your company's primary purpose is to perform work in a way that delivers enough value that you can charge people money for them, uh, money for that value, uh, and continue to sustain the company. The benefit, the great thing about modern, the modern world and, and capitalistic societies and particularly democratic capitalistic societies is the specialization of, of labor that large organizations allow because large organizations can produce a great deal more productivity overall than, than small organizations can, uh, in terms of the number of people they serve and so on. The thing is, is that I think a lot of managers mistakenly see one-on-ones as something they do special for their directs. And the directs might feel special when you do them. I mean, they're directs who who write us notes and say, thank you for encouraging my boss to do these. He does them or she does them. And it's totally changed my life. And now I'm a big manager tools fan because of that. That it's true. It's a benefit. But, but that's not the reason you do them. 
Okay. If it were just a, a, a benefit, we'd say, well, just spend some more money, which of course, after a fashion, you are spending money when you spend time with your directs, but it's money well spent because uh, time is money when it comes to managing. But it, it's not a, a benefit we give to somebody for working for you because you want to be a nice guy, as Mike says. You're, we're, we're not trying to be a benevolent boss bestowing on them time with you because really you have other things to do. But because they're direct, because they're an employee as opposed to a contractor, therefore you get some time with me every week. You're meeting with the people whose work you're responsible for. You're creating an opportunity for open communication. So it's not as if only full-time employees get this benefit, okay? You're not trying, heaven forbid, to send a message that some people get this and some people don't, that some are favored and some are not based on their legal status, okay? We don't manage based on legal status. We manage based on people and results, okay? That's why the two responsibilities of a manager are achieving results and retention, yeah, I, I'm glad you cleared up that whole bestowing thing. So I always kind of envisioned that the one-on-ones I had with my folks was kind of like giving them an audience with the king. That's <laughs> that's kind of how I thought about I knew it. You. <laughs> glad you cleared uh, that up. The audience. Yeah. Uh, look, I think there are some managers who probably, even if they don't think they mean that, they behave that way, right? Yeah. Oh, there are some that think that I guarantee you, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, we get we get notes all the time from people who say, you know, I really wish you could put out a cast about what wh- what to do, you know, because my boss listens to you, and I just want you to know he doesn't do them right at all, and I hate them. <laughs> and we're like, wow. And then of course that manager is saying, hey, yeah, might might you know, I do one on ones the manager goes away, and then the peer of that manager goes to the directs, and the directs are like, yeah, we hate them. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A good idea, poorly implemented, is not not a good thing. So. Look, the purpose of one-on-ones is about work and productivity. And because we're dealing with humans, relationships improve work and productivity. And since your contract uh, workers do stuff that affects that, your work and your productivity, we recommend one-on-ones for them. It's just not hard. Okay? Now, now look, folks, it's possible that your contract employees report, quote-unquote, to somebody else, a manager or a project manager who is external to your firm, this is true in larger contracts, it's particularly prevalent in the IT world, in the software development world today. If you've never heard the phrase, there's a phrase called body shops, which is IT consulting organizations that essentially house specialists, technical experts and specialists in all kinds of fields and sell their services and say, don't hire a bunch of database administrators because you don't have the expertise. We already have them and we'll administer a great deal of the stuff and all you have to do is pay us contract fees. And look, there are all kinds of different relationships here. And the differences are sometimes subtle. And so some of you are going to be listening going, well, I'm not sure that really applies to me. The fundamental premise here is if you have, again, if you have people working for you who are involved in the work output that you deliver and that you feel like other people and yourself think of you as supervising them, even though the definition of supervision is a little bit vague, then you probably ought to develop a relationship with them, regardless of what the legal connection is between you and the individual or you and the seven individuals or the 20 people or so on. Now, the issue becomes if it's a bigger project and you have a bunch of people working on a project or on uh, with you that's not a project but essentially full-time, the question becomes would you have one-on-ones with all of your contract workers or would you, if they have a project manager, would you 
do a one-on-one with that project manager and then treat the contract workers who report to her as skips of yours. And of course, we don't do one-on-ones with skips. Now, look, this guidance won't be foolproof, but as a general rule, if the external contract project manager is on site every day, then treat them as a subordinate manager and treat the contract workers who report to her, however they define reporting, as skips. Okay, so you again, you wouldn't do one-on-ones with them in that in that case. If the project manager is only in your offices one to two days a week and they're managing other projects as well, for whatever reason, regardless, we recommend you then eliminate them. You might have a weekly meeting with them. You might call it a one-on-one. But if the project manager is only in your office one to two days a week, we recommend you treat those contract workers there every day as directs and have one-on-ones directly with them. The reason for that is, as a, as a general rule, that project manager that is there one to two days a week is probably treating you as a customer and is not having one-on-ones with those contract workers. Now, I'm going to put a caution here because this may not sound easy to maybe, – maybe hard to hear, but that project manager is unlikely to be of great value to you. Please don't take that as an offense to project management at right. all. Don't take an offense to contract firms at all. Because there are great contract firms. But those guys aren't really contract managers as they are relationship managers. So they're more concerned about managing the relationship and not supervising the work directly in general. Yeah. Right. And that's why they don't provide a lot of direct value to you. Yeah. The only reason I didn't say relationship manager, though, dude, is because if I say relationship manager, people are going to look for that title. And I think the far more likely title is project manager. I'm your project manager on this. Yeah, right. But they're not managing projects. They're, they're, they're managing the relationship, right? I mean, what, what you, whether you call them that or not, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, my point is for the, for the manager who's listening to us now, who's talking to somebody who's the supervisor of at the external company who's providing you this contractual arrangement for workers at a certain base rate with certain levels of effort involved and outcomes expected and so on, all contractually arranged. It's most likely that person would call themselves a project manager because in the project manager world, they can have five or six or seven projects. They won't call themselves a relationship manager. And if we tell managers, look for a relationship manager, there'll be people who, if you say to a contract, a project manager, you're a relationship manager, right? And they'll say, well, no, actually, I'm the project manager because they want to be perceived as someone who can influence the work rather than just influencing you as the customer who quote unquote, employees, their contractors. Yeah. And they want to be perceived that way. And they also want to bill you as a project manager versus a relationship manager. Exactly. Relationship sure. Manager because don't project managers do actual work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so your point is, and much like management, don't pay attention to the title, look at their behavior, right? And, and exactly. project, yeah, but even project better, managers yeah. are going to behave different than somebody who has a title right. project manager, but is in fact really just managing the relationship. Yeah. And to be clear, uh, if they in fact have a project manager title, but they're only there one day a week, then they are a relationship manager. And here, here's the issue. The project manager there one to two days a week, treating you as a customer, okay, is not having one-on-one with those contract workers, is unlikely to be of great value. Here's why. Now, look, some of them are quite good. Most, though, and listen carefully here, don't add a lot of value to the work your team does day in and day out. Too much work happens every day for someone to be on site one day a week and know enough of the details to make a difference. It's a bad idea to believe that you have to manage your daily contract workers through a project manager that is there one day or even two days 
a week. Now, look, that kind of thinking of, well, you just let me know and I'll take care of it. That kind of thinking perhaps benefits the contract company. They get to play buffer. They get to, they, 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 they think that they're controlling communications between you and their contractors, but those ideas are for their benefit and fly in the face of the reason for the relationship in the first place, which is achieving results for your organization. Now, look, let's take the other side. If your project manager is on site, even, and to be fair to Mike's point about behavior, let's pay attention to behavior. Even if they're called a relationship manager, if they're there every day managing a team or, or, or being the manager, quote unquote, of three to five to seven to 10 to 15 to 20 people, then you might choose to decide, and we probably would recommend, by the way, not, not if they're managing eight other projects in the organization for eight other managers and they're only spending, they're in the office every day, but they're only spending a couple of hours managing your people, then that would be different, okay? But basically, if you do decide that you're going to have a one-on-one with them and then you treat the contract workers as skips, that's totally fine. Now, here's where we get into a little bit of legalese. You can't mandate that a project manager working for you that you decide to have a one-on-one with and then therefore not have one-on-ones with their workers, the contractors, you can't mandate that they have one-on-ones with their workers because that would be controlling them. And again, we're going to talk about the legalistic part of this later on. That would be mandating how they work, which is generally crossing the line between contract worker and employer. Or I'm sorry, between contract worker and employee. Yeah. Now, look, I'm going to take this a little bit further. I know this is probably beating a a horse here, but we don't generally believe in managers making obvious distinctions between employees and contract workers, okay? We've talked about project managers here for a bit, but go back to the fundamental thing about why might somebody choose not to do one-on-ones, a la Mike's comment about an audience with the king bestowing something on, why wouldn't you do one-on-ones with contractors as opposed to doing them just with your, your directs? We don't want you to make obvious distinctions between employees and contract workers if, in fact, those contract workers' output is related directly to the kind of results you're responsible for. Look, despite what you call them, both groups, if you want to group them, are helping you in the organization. And there's no question that, to Mike's point earlier, some amount of regular, frequent, professional, open communication is going to produce better results. Okay. And in fact, what's interesting about this is people say, no, no, I really can't do that. HR shouldn't, says I shouldn't do that. That does happen, you know, five or 10% of the time. And so we want to, we'll talk about it more later. But what's funny about it is then people say, yeah, contract employees, they're always upset and they don't feel like they're in the know and they feel like they're treated poorly. You want to change that. You want to get more out of them. Contract one-on-ones are the way to do it. There's a general approach that companies and managers make the distinction even more obvious it's totally wrong-headed. This happened to me when I've consulted. I've seen it happen to contract workers all the time. There are meetings at least once a month, sometimes more often, that are employees only. Look, the contract employees end up hearing everything anyway, but the process of separation isn't helpful to their effectiveness with you. And if you want to make the distinction more clear, they will make the distinction more clear to you in terms of what you can tell them to do and whether or not they go complain to their project manager every time you ask them to change something or do something different. Now, part of the reason I think, well, we know that that uh, companies and managers make the distinction between types of workers more obvious is driven initially by legal concerns. It's still wrongheaded. What happened is the lawyer suggests 
some lawyer at senior level suggests that, that, that there's some risk if any part of a meeting reveals company results, numbers, plans, whatever. And the risk is that contract employees are not bound by certain rules and laws regarding sharing of information that employees are. Okay. The lawyers say basically, hey, look, let's eliminate our risk. If there's any chance you're going to talk about performance, company performance or company plans or company marketing or the next quarter or what we're planning on, if any of that sort of stuff is going to be mentioned, exclude your contract employees. And look, that serves the lawyer's need. And I respect the lawyer. We respect the lawyer's need to say, let's mitigate our risk. The problem with that is the decision has to be considered. What ends up happening is managers consider on virtually every meeting, and it sends a message to managers that they make similar choices all the time. Am am I going to mention something that's coming up next quarter or whatever? Can I include contract employees and so on? This is a case where the exception, even though it's valid, there are some meetings that do talk about confidential things, has created this enormous margin of safety It becomes terribly inefficient and affects the ability of the company to get the work done that may, in fact, be related to that rollout of a given uh, product or service that the contractors are actually working on. So the lawyers who encourage the exclusion of contract employees, I promise you, folks, no offense to lawyers, we respect their point of view, but they aren't for a second thinking about your team's performance, your relationship with your people, your communication flows, your efficiency, your effectiveness. They're only thinking about corporate communication risk which is frankly very very rarely noteworthy for the vast majority of managers. So we recommend doing one-on-ones with uh, your contractors. Now, what about the rollout? We know in previous casts, we've talked about very specifically how to roll out one-on-ones to your directs. Is it any different at all for contractors? No. Fun, the underlying premise for having a one-on-one is the same. So if you're not doing one-on-ones now at all, when you roll it out, you would roll them out to everyone the same way at the same time. And there's only one small change we'll talk about in a minute. I don't want to go through the rollout in detail. You know, there's ample guidance on that in uh, a Trinity rollout, uh, previous uh, podcast. Uh, and for those of you who are individual licensees, the, the, um, you can just read it. You don't have to listen to me talk about it. Basically, uh, the rollout's roughly the same. You announce you're going to have one-on-ones. You send out an email, the text of which we've already written for you. You provide half hours on your schedule to allow your directs and your contractors to choose their half hours. We do recommend that if you have, say, 10 directs, you you create 15 half hours. So you multiply the number of your directs by 1.5. So the last person to respond isn't forced into a slot that may not work for them. You don't start them for three weeks. You wait three weeks before you start them after you announce them. There's two reasons for that. One is to address the crowd who says, I'm too busy. And it's funny how many people have said to managers, I'm too busy. And then when I look at their calendars, so there's nothing on their calendar. Right. Every conference I ask, does anybody here routinely feel comfortable saying to their boss, no, I don't want to meet with you? When their boss sends a meeting request, no, I'm too busy. I mean, it's it's amazing how many managers would never dream of doing that to their boss, but then seem to fear that their directs will do it to them and that somehow they're supposed to tolerate that from directs, which is just wrongheaded. Your relationship with your boss is not that much different to your directs relationship with you. So it's not only to, to address the I'm too busy crowd, it's also to give you time to brief everybody. You brief everybody on what they're about. Uh, what one-on-ones are about in the intervening time during a staff meeting. For those of you who are individual licensees, you can you can use our slides, right, um, that you, you get every week. And you take time in a staff meeting, which hopefully all of your contract employees 
uh, your contract workers attend, you answer questions. You say, hey, look, they're going to be a half hour long. This is how they work and so on. There, there will be a slight change. We'll talk about the agenda in just a second. And then you start them. And you know that when you start things, it's a little messy and then you, you iron it out. In the beginning, you may discover it's a bit of a stress on your calendar and you'll get better at that. If you have been excluding contract workers, but you've been doing one-on-ones with your employees, you simply announce in a staff meeting that you're going to start doing one-on-ones with your contract employees. It's, it's totally fine to have your employees there when you announce it for the contract workers. Again, we're not thinking separation. We're thinking open communication. Now, where we often hear pushback on this or questions um, from people at conferences is the number of one-on-ones you're having. You know, if you have, say, eight directs, surely you're having weekly one-on-ones, right? That's four hours a week. Our general rule is that when you start, if you have more than 15 directs, you can do bi-weekly one-on-ones. And so, in other words, that would be seven and a half hours a week. And then we recommend as you become more comfortable with the scheduling and you discover that, yeah, I've achieved a new normal relative to my calendar, we recommend you encourage, we encourage you to go to weekly one-on-ones with as many as 15 directs. If you have more than 20, you may not ever get to bi-weekly or to weekly, although we know lots of managers who do. And that's the way they manage through their one-on-ones. And they end up getting a lot more time back because they're getting a lot less nipped, nipped in the heels, so to speak. You, you had that experience, Mike. Where I absolutely did. You, went, you, you actually went from weekly to bi-weekly. I went to weekly to bi-weekly because of the, the whole bankruptcy thing we were dealing with. And I thought I'd get a whole bunch of time. Right? I had 10 directs at the time. So, so right. if I went from once a week to every two weeks, I'd get five hours five hours back, back every two weeks. And turned out I, I didn't get five hours back. Matter of fact, I ended up spending twice that amount of time and dealing with the nipping at the heel stuff. My, Mike, I need a decision of this or Mike, I need your help with that. And it wasn't worth it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. But l- let's talk about a different situation. If you have 10 directs, you're doing them re- weekly and you also have 10 contract employees. This is not unheard of at all. That would be hard, right? So just to be clear, our first recommendation is don't reduce the frequency of your existing one-on-ones. That rarely helps and often hurts, as Mike says. We recommend you start in a situation like like this, 10 plus 10, by having one-on-ones with your contract employees every other week while still having your standard weekly one-on-ones with your directs. Um, now, again, we're assuming here in this situation that there's not a full-time project manager on site. That would then be 10 plus 1, not 10 plus 10. And folks, I promise you, over time, it is possible, even if you don't believe it right now, to have 20 weekly one-on-ones. But cross that bridge after you have experience with what amounts to 15 half hours a week, right? Every week you do 10 of your full-time employee directs, and you do five of the 10 contractor directs. And after you've gotten comfortable with 15 half hours, you go to 20 half hours. It may take you three or four or five or six months. Let me just say, for those of you who gape at the idea of 15 weekly half hours, look, we respect your concern. We know you're busy. We know you feel busy. Although we got to tell you that busyness is an illusion often in terms of busyness is not always related to effectiveness. So we just want to put a thought in your head. We just like you to do something for us. Grab your schedule when you get a minute, not when you're driving right now. Don't look down at your phone. If you're listening to us on your uh, on headphones or something, don't stop mowing the yard or doing laundry or whatever else. But uh, grab your schedule when you get a minute and look at it 
one month from today, whenever today is, whenever you're listening, okay, count up the number of hours in your week that are already pre-scheduled a month from now, a month from today, and ask yourself this question, who is in charge of my calendar and why don't I put the most important things on it first and let the less important things vie for what's left rather than allow my calendar to be filled up with other things that may or may not be important because I've never considered them against what my strategic opportunities are and what I really ought to be doing, which is getting the most out of my team. I'd be willing to bet for 90% of the people who are listening to us right now, when they look at their calendar a month from now, if you don't have a budget of more than $10 million, I'd be willing to bet that you have less than five or maybe less than eight hours scheduled in a week. And since everybody tells me they work 50 hours a week, that leaves 40 hours left available. Then really it becomes a question of putting the big rocks into the jar first rather than letting the sand fill up the jar and then complaining the big rocks don't fill in. Right. And there's no bigger rock than a one-on-one, frankly. That's my experience. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, look. Relative to the rollout, we already alluded to it, the only difference in the planning and the briefing of this is the agenda for one-on-ones because they're different between employees and contract workers. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.